Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gabby Roslin here. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I had so much fun chatting to my good friend and the incredibly talented Mr. Michael Ball. Now you'll hear us talking about GSA a lot. Apologies for that. And that's in fact a Guildford School of Acting where we both trained. He was two years above me, of course. Uh, we talk about his first big break in Pirates of Penzance, Eurovision, and some hilarious stories of forgetting his lines. Michael talks very openly about his own mental health issues and how he copes. We also talk about the amazing Captain Tom and recording that number one single with him. And of course, we talk all about his brand new album called We Are More Than One, which is available now on Decca Records. Go and have a listen to it. It really is very moving and very lovely. Please can I ask you a favour? Would you mind, please, following and subscribing by pressing the follow or subscribe button on the show? Now, I have to tell you, this really honestly does not cost any money. It's completely free. And then if you wouldn't mind, rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. You simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes and you'll see the stars where you can tap to rate and press write a review. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Hello, lovely. Oh, goodness me. Michael Ball, if this is not going to be the campest chat ever why in are you the saying history. that because i'm the campus person and you're the campus person and we both love the <laughs> theater well there is an element of truth to that i have to admit oh. <laughs> michael do you know what it's really funny when when um the lovely production company that i do this with they sent me through how about michael ball and literally i screamed because oh. this is the interview that i have always wanted to do with you because we never have. And do you know we haven't? No, and we've done chats on radios and things, but this is the truth about you and I knowing each other. You didn't know me, but I knew you because you were in the third year and I was yeah. in the first year at GSA and all of us fancied you so badly. Oh, don't be ridiculous. No, swear, swear, because you did. Now, this, I'm not, I promise... Listen, I know, I've known you over the years and we see each other all the time and we, we just always smile and laugh and you always say, don't tell anybody I was in the years above you. But this is the one I am. But um, you did Sweeney Todd at GSA. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. 
You sung a song from Sweeney Todd at GSM. Oh, I did sing a song. Yeah, yes. I did sing a song. Yeah. You didn't do the yeah. whole show. You sung a song no. from it. And us first years saw you do that and we all went gooey. Then we used to see you in the Britannia pub in Guildford, in the Brit, as we called it. <laughs> and all of us would say, go, no, you go and talk to him. No, you go and talk to him. No. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. I was kind of eccentric there. I was always dressed sort of in, in as a dandy. And a big... Yes. Yeah, and well, Doctor Who-ish, I always thought. Yes, I sort loved it. I was, I was like a hippie. Yeah, but you had always big sleeves, didn't you? You used to yeah, have big sleeves. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? Let, let's, um, for, for, so we both trained. You, you had never trained as a singer. I wanted to be a broadcaster. That's all I wanted to do was to be on telly and radio. That's all I wanted to do. And, um, at, and that place, I loved it. I loved it. GSA. I really did. I'm so thankful for those three years. I'm with you on that. I did. And, and I made the best mates. I didn't work terribly hard, if I'm honest. Um, uh, I, you know, we always had that thing called ability in the morning. Yes, with Valma I never, Boogie. Oh, oh nine, no. Nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Valma Cardle, God lover. And I, I sort of invented um, a back injury and a heart condition. So I didn't have to go. <laughs> I actually got a knee operation in, so I didn't have to go to that. Yeah. Well, it's oh. nine o'clock in the morning. I'd been up late. I'm yes. not going to make it. And I didn't want to be expelled. No, we were drama students. You don't go to bed early. I know. But what I loved about it is, you know, I, I hadn't a clue I was going to go into the business. And it was only because I'd been in Surrey Youth Theatre and Kay Doodney, um, who's kind of responsible for me doing this, said, you should go to drama school. Maybe that's where, where your uh, future lies. And she got me an audition at Guildford. I was a little bit late to get on the thing, but they, she managed to wangle it. And I got in and literally from the day one, I knew I was with my tribe. Yes. And I was doing the right thing. And great people, great friends, such good times. Oh, outrageously good times. And you learnt, you did learn. We, I mean, our year was notoriously a naughty year. You were a very, very good year, if I remember rightly. Yeah, the first, yes, actually we were. And and um, well, I, I'm pretty darn straight. And, and we were, and we all, uh, we did lots of musicals because we love, we just loved musicals. We were a year that loved musicals, even though we were doing the acting course. And there I was. I remember one teacher, we, you and I have never had this conversation, but um, that teacher knows um, uh, who who she is. Um, uh uh, but one teacher in year two at GSA said, uh, you know, what's everybody's flight plans? You're going to know exactly who I mean when I say this. We don't need to say her name. And um, and she said, OK, everybody, what are your flight plans for the future? And people saying RSC and, oh, I want to be at the National. I want to be in movies. I want to be in soap operas, all of that. And she said, Gabby, I want to be a Saturday morning kids TV presenter. And she just looked, she went, Oh, with that face, you'll never get on telly. And if you do, I'll hang myself. And I walked out of the class and I went to the to the principal. I said, I don't like that teacher because I'm going to be a TV presenter. That's all I've wanted to do. And um, I never went to her class again. And then I saw her a few years ago. It's an end of yeah. year show. And she came up to me. She said, I never said that I'd hang myself. And I said, oh, but how did you know I was talking about you then? Do you know what she said to me? You know the teacher? <laughs> yeah, of course I do. <laughs> do you know what she said to me? Go on, tell me, tell me. You are never going to work until you're 40 and then it'll be character roles. <gasps> <laughs> 
the same yeah. woman. Yeah, yeah. And I've now got a dance studio named after me at GSA. <laughs> if that isn't the irony of irony. Oh, my word. That is fantastic. Mm. That's just yeah. made me smile so much. <laughs> now, so the thing about about um, you at college was, as you say, you, you didn't work and you were, as you I said, hope you're not you... going to reveal any secrets here. No, 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 no. Fear not. I I'm did not. outrageous things at college. I know. But, you know, you were a drama student and you, but you I were was. beautiful you were and allowed. lovely. And, and talented. And no, it's none of that. All I wanted to say was that all of us, as corny as this sounds, and everyone's going to go, oh, what she, oh, but we knew you were going to be a star. And so the, us first years, not only did we all fancy you, but we all just said, oh, he's going to be a star. So when it happened for you, the thrill for all of us, I, oh, I, it, gosh. You know, there's that lovely feeling of somebody that you knew, you knew at college who was a student, and we all said, that guy's going to make it. Then was it Pirates of Penzance you did? And, yeah. and I think we all knew that I was still training and there was this sort of amazing feeling. I don't, I don't, I've never said that to you. We were all so thrilled. It's like, yes, you can do it. Because sadly, so many people who train don't end up in the business. Yeah. And you did. And we were all so thrilled. Oh, that's just lovely, Gabs. That's really, really true. Lovely. I swear on my life, that's completely true. Oh, bless you. Yeah, it, and it's true what you say. So many of, uh, of of my contemporaries, and I'm sure yours as well, are no longer in the business. They were talented. They worked hard. But the breaks didn't happen. And you know, as well as I do, so much of it. Yeah, you have to work hard and, you, and to a certain extent, you make your own luck. But you need those initial breaks. You need those those things to happen. And so for so many people, it didn't. There were also people there who really shouldn't have been. Let's <laughs> be really yeah. honest as well. <laughs> but that's the same anywhere. That's the same anywhere. Yeah. And I think those yeah. three years you're trying to find yourself as corny as that exactly. sounds. But I do think that. No, it's true. But, but so when you went into Pirates and you did this through an open audition, so for people yeah. who don't understand, you, you weren't, and no agent said to you that you're going up for this part. You just went. No, I read six, it in the stage. That's amazing. Yeah, I was in, I was in uh, Basingstoke Rep doing, oh God, the worst production of Sweet Charity. Was it Sweet Charity or? No, it was Godspell. I, I read it was Godspell. No, no, no. Godspell I was doing uh, in Aberystwyth at Theatre Ah, right. Then I was in, then I was in, um, uh, I got into Basingstoke Rep. We did three productions. Uh, Sweet Charity, um, which was a shocker, but such good fun. Uh, Lark Cries to Candleford. And that's right. And, and Wind in the Willows. And I was ratty from beginning to end. Uh, because there were a lot of local kids in it. And while I was there, I read in the stage, there was this open audition for the Joe Papp West End production of uh, Pirates of Penzance, which was going to reopen the beautiful Manchester Opera House. And myself and a, uh, another guy who was in the cast said, well, let's just go up. It's an open audition. So we did. And... Um, I think the first audition was actually the the dance audition. Was it the, no? It was the singing audition. So we just went in and did a song, and then the afternoon was movement, which I sort of scraped through, and then I kept getting recalled. And um, I think it was six recalls later, I started realizing this is getting quite serious. Then they came down and worked with me, and I think the director, the people all knew the people at Basingstoke Rep, and that and and then I got the word that it was between me, myself and one other person for the lead role of Frederick. And then they came down and uh, 
the Americans worked with me in um, uh, down in Basingstoke, and I ended up with a gig. It That's was fantastic. just amazing. It was amazing. And, you know, as you say, I'm, I'm a few months out of drama school, and the cast is Paul Nicholas, who's riding as high as a high thing at the time. He'd just done uh, Just Good Friends and uh, big, big star, obviously, Paul. Bonnie Langford. Lovely who Bonnie. Who we know and love. Uh, Victor Spinetti and Dillis Lay. So proper old school performers as well. And then me in a little box stand below on the on the poster saying and introducing Michael Ball wow. as Frederick. Do you have that poster? <laughs> of course I do. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, how amazing. Yeah. Do you have all your yeah. posters from all the shows? Uh, most of them. I had this fire in my house, so a lot I of know. things got destroyed, um, which was which was a real nightmare. And Kathy saved your life, didn't she? Yeah, she says that. I think she probably started it. <laughs> you cruel man. 30 years, man and boy, with that woman. Yeah, and she That's I what you say. I I bloody love her. You know I do. Uh, yeah, she did. She probably did save me. But, it, but, but so much of my memorabilia, because it started in my office, so so much of my memorabilia was, was destroyed, sadly. Um, but I've managed to replace quite a few of them, and some of them escaped. So, uh, yeah, I'm sort of surrounded. What's your favourite poster? Whether it, but I'm sorry if it did burn in the fire, but the one that really just says, "Oh, was it? Would it be Les Mis?" Yeah, original cast of Les Mis yeah. at the Barbican, because that was that was the start of of everything for me. You know, that that was when I thought, "Well, this isn't a fluke." I remember seeing you in that at the Barbican, and did we you? all. I think I've probably seen that show about fifty times, and um, oh god, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Oh, you're gonna hate me. But we had lovely Luke Evans on this podcast. Do you know what? He sung oh, twice. Did he? On the podcast. Oh, at these yes. prices, I can't believe it. I love him. <laughs> I love him. I love oh, him. He's, Go on, he's, sing a little bit. Sing a little bit from Les Mis. Just, da, da, da. There's a grief that can't be spoken. There's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs at empty tables. Now my friends are dead and gone. Oh, isn't Michael Ball singing my ear? Do you know, can <laughs> I, you also, when the recent one you did, I know we're skipping all over the place, but we will do. But, um, but the recent one, you sung my favourite song in a musical, which I wish a woman could do, because if I could... I, I, haven't, I haven't sung oh, for a long okay. time. Okay, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You immediately said that. Anyone can sing any song. I got a really, I got a real bugbear about this. That that especially Steve Sondheim used to write all the best songs for women, and so I nicked them. And you can change the gender if you want to, or change the words, or you can sing them as as written. But you can sing any song if you can make them make it your own. So what song couldn't you sing? Well, all those years ago, because I, I was very lucky to go into Chicago for a year, but if I could have done any role, I wanted yeah. to sing oh. Stars in the Multitude. That's what I wanted to oh. sing. But I couldn't have done that all those years ago because they would have gone, what's that no. girl doing? Do you see what I mean? No, that's true. Yeah, yeah I do. No, that's fair enough. It's a wonderful song. <gasps> uh, can you imagine the excitement of hearing those songs in a rehearsal room for the very first oh. time? It's wow. being in the room when Colm Wilkinson is presented with Bring Him Home, because it wasn't written when we started rehearsals. What do you mean? And I didn't know that. Oh, no. yeah. Uh, like two-thirds of the musical wasn't written when we started Les Mis rehearsals. You're kidding me! No, I didn't have a lyric for Empty Chairs. 
I, 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 when I did the audition for Les Mis, I, I wish I could remember the lyric, but it was pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it made no sense whatsoever. But Ooh, it, what does it wait? No, empty pants at empty table. <laughs> no, no. It was not a good song, uh, but it was a great melody. And then they presented me with a lyric. And I went, well, this is just, this is just brilliant. This makes sense of, of Marius, Marius's journey. It's the actual hook when you think he's not just a wet blanket. He's got, he, he's a passionate uh, young man and he becomes a fully fledged man during this song and his life is, 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 can move forward. I remember they wanted to cut the song. No. Um, yeah, when we first opened Les Mis, it was over four hours long, four and a bit hours long. So things kept getting cut, including that bloody awful song that the child sings. Um, it's on the it's on the album, but it's not on the, not in the musical. A little people know um. when little people fly, <laughs> a fly can fly around the side, but I don't care. And I remember that that used to happen um, on the barricade after Eponine had died. You know, that moving We're moment. all in tears. And then this little child would get up and sing this song. And I said, I remember saying to Trevor Nunn, do you know, I don't think I'd be singing this because I'm quite grief stricken uh, because Eponine's dead. So I probably won't sing this one and bob around. <laughs> and then one by one, everyone in the cast is going, do you know, I think my character would have been really affected by the death of Eponine. So I don't think I'd be singing this. There were three people left singing who would sing anything. <laughs> and so then they cut the song but yeah with empty chairs they're going on paper you can cut it you know it, it can go straight from uh marius being saved from the sewers into every day you walk with longer step you walk with stronger step after turning uh for those people who know the show and i said um uh, I mean, bear in mind, this is my second big job and I, I my first West End and I, I'm a very new boy. But I said, y if you do that, I can't do this show. I really can't because it makes no sense. Marius becomes nothing and you, he needs it. And they knew that, but they're just worried about time. You know, they don't want to pay the orchestra overtime. Uh, but they kept it, thank goodness. They saw sense. You've been in the gr the greatest ones. I mean, you really, really have. You've done them all. Been really, really. lucky. And yeah, then, really obviously, hair, we end on hairspray, where you still you shocked my daughter by getting your breasts out and asking her to squeeze them. And <laughs> let's just leave it there. Let's not tell anybody what we mean by that, because okay. my daughter, okay. who still loves you, even though you <laughs> you did that to her. That, fr that didn't frighten her, I hope. No, but she does. Go, I still can't quite believe that Michael Ball took his breasts out and asked me to touch them. Okay, we can't just leave it. Yeah, just it leave it. Leave it. Leave them wondering what we mean. <laughs> just leave it. Okay. Nobody will know. Okay. Um, when, so you did, <laughs> we'll maybe explain it later. And your daughter. <laughs> so, you know, you want to pay for the counselling, you carry on. <laughs> She's at university now. She's coping, sort of. Oh, my God, um, of course. She's lovely, your daughter. Well, Mike, I've got good girls and they adore you. And what's so yeah. sweet is that, um, and I have to, at university, she has, she you, she loves you, as you know. Uh, you, you, And she has you and Alfie's um, albums. When everybody else is doing all this sort of dance music and and going completely, she's mm. like, I just listen to Michael <laughs> and Alfie. Oh. oh, bless her. Bless her. I've taught her well. That's um, a proper girl. But now, when 
so you did Les Mis, but then suddenly, uh, very quickly, you became, a, a, for once for a better expression, a pop star and a household name. And Eurovision only happened a few years after that. How did, how did that happen? That happened because of, of aspects. Yeah, because love, aspects of love, love changes. I love, love, love changes everything. And so that got me into the charts. And, uh, you know, it was a big hit. So I signed a record deal and I went, I went and did um, uh, aspects on Broadway. And I, I, and I had a really big think about what I wanted to do next. And uh, I realised I, I could cut and the offers were coming in for me to come back and do other musicals. And I thought, if I do that, then that's all I'm going to do. That's where my career will lie. And I think I, I want to... I want to be. I want to be above the title. Is it basically? I wanted to, and you couldn't make a name for yourself. I think the last person who really made a proper name for themselves from musical theatre would have been Elaine Page, who's a slightly older generation. So I thought this is, and, and shows now had become about the big show as opposed to who's starring in them, the Les Mises and the Phantoms. Although Michael Crawford started it with Sarah Brightman, it then became about the show. And Miss Saigon was about the show. You'd put a star in to get it going, but then it was about the show. It wasn't, they weren't star vehicles. And I, I wanted to make a name for myself. Uh, so I came back and I thought, I'm not going to do, um, I'm not going to do musicals for a bit. And this is the t around the time as well, of course, that Kathy and I were together, at, right at the beginning. She was giving such great advice to me. And she said, you need to go into the, into the studio. I signed a record deal with Universal and I made an album, which was really bad. I remember us, uh, we, we made it and she, and she came around and I said, this is, this is not good. You can't release this. And at that time, the BBC then had a, uh, came to me and said, we've got this idea for Eurovision. We want to redo it. We want you to do all the songs. Uh, you'll go on to Wogan every week and uh, present them and then there'll be a special and then the nation will choose which one they want to go forward to represent. And, you know, I'm thinking, this is 92, so I'm thinking Eurovision, it's a bit naff. Is it a bit naff? It's fun. I mean, I love it, but is it a career move or is it career suicide? And I thought, well, no, let's, let's, let's take the plunge. Um, it, it gives me a chance to showcase me doing other things than musical theatre and it might work. And thank God it did. It did work. You know, of course it, it worked. It, yes. it, 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 it worked really well for me. So I was then able to, to, to start on this other trajectory with a career. So I remember that year, 92, it was my 30th birthday. And so we, we'd come second in, in the uh, May, I think it was, April, May for a Eurovision. Released a new album that... that uh, had been produced by Mike Smith from the Dave Clark Five, who became one of my closest friends, who Kathy had put me in touch with. And he produced the Eurovision single. And um, I found myself, and I would have swore, if you talk to me at college, what will, will, will never happen to you? I said, I'll never have a number one record. I know that. But that's not where my, my career will go. But I found myself, it sounds awfully flash, but I don't care. 30th birthday, um, uh, sold out a couple of nights at Hammersmith uh, Odeon, as it was then, with the number one album and being presented with a uh, a gold disc by Cameron Mackintosh on the night. 
And I kind of went, yeah, this is good. This is, this is, this is amazing. And so I stopped doing musicals for After Aspects for about seven years and concentrated on that other area of my career. But you did. So um, that was the same time. I remember going into the Big Breakfast and you came on the Big Breakfast and you were, you know, people weren't sure what, whether you were a musical theatre, a pop star, um, and then you started doing presenting. And I remember you even back all those years ago. In fact, I remember a night of... of a very drunken night in a club in oh, London, in Soho House, in fact, it was. And yeah. you were standing on a chair singing and we were all there and I walked in <laughs> and I said, you're a presenter now. And you you just and then so you started presenting on this chair and it was one of those moments and everybody looked and said, how do you know him? And I said, well, he was at college with me. We all fancied him. And they went, Michael Ball, how come you were at college? with?" It was one of those sort of bizarre things. I remember being there. And Savage was there, uh, Paul O'Grady, as I always call him, Savage, yeah. you know. So Paul was there as well. You were standing on the chair, you were presenting, you were singing, you were everything. And then I, I think I just, I, because I, I remember having this conversation with you, saying, why aren't you a TV presenter? You said, they've offered me, I can't remember what your first TV gig was, but was it your own show on ITV? Yeah, was that? it, it yeah. was the ITV show. I mean, and, and it's, do you know, when was it? Yeah. 1994? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and it, do you know what? It's a shame I did it then. I didn't know Why? what I was doing. Like, like Well, like all these things, you don't... I, I didn't know the gig. I didn't know what I was meant to do. But you were... But and, no, Michael, don't say that because you did it. And you did it really, I did. really no, well. I did it. I, I, I did it okay. What was amazing with that was all the guests that came on that I got to sing with. But it was deemed really old-fashioned. Uh, when when I uh, you know and it was kind of a throwback, uh, you know, guest uh, the presenter comes on. I, I I sang a song. I then present another uh, I, I interview, and somebody gets on and sings a song. Uh, I sing another song. Commercial break. Then the headlining guest comes on. I sing with them. I close the show with another song. So six short songs, half an hour show, and it was kind of an old format. But it worked, and it was a success. Well, yeah. Well, it only we only had two seasons of it. I so know, but people talked about it, and it made people yeah, realise that you were a presenter now as well. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But I learnt in that period of time so much about the art of presenting, which is very different. I mean, you, you do it instinctively. I need to learn these things. Um, but what was nice is I, I was able to do all the other, juggle the other balls at the same time. Um, and, and uh, I, yeah, as I say, I wish I'd, I'd, I'd had that opportunity for the TV, just with different circumstances. At, having said which, I'm quite happy with the way everything has worked out. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm not worried about it. But, you know, you want to look at something and go, oh, no, that was great. That was good. But I, I should have had better scripts written. Do you know um, what? Can you do me a favour? Can you really, can you change that then in your head and just say, actually, it was great? Because it was, I, rem I mean, I, I, I really do. And I think that that sort of television, obviously, because you now do it with Alfie. So when you do your Christmas specials with Alfie, yeah. it's a similar sort of thing. And people love it. It's yeah. warm. It's kind. It's family. It's engaging. Yeah. So please... If you can, shift the way you think of that. All right, I will. I do regret the haircut, though, in the second series. <laughs> <laughs> I had decided, that's it, I'm going to have long, flowing blonde locks. 
and some of it looks a little bit dodgy. <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, guess who was cutting my hair at the time? Nikki Clark. So yes. I looked exactly like Nikki. <laughs> he only ever cut people's hair to look like himself. It was yeah. very funny. Yeah. So I looked. And coloured like his. Yes. So, yeah, it's quite funny looking back at those pictures. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, my word. But what's, what, what you know, the, the presenting side of it now, you do the one show, you obviously have your Sunday show yeah. on Radio 2, which is completely has you through and through. And you, lo- I know you love it. It sounds like you love it. I hope yeah. you love it. Yeah, that's, that's properly me. Yeah. My radio show is properly me. And, you know, especially over this last year, it's, it's, it's been so important to me so important, I think, to a lot of the listeners. Um, uh, that feeling of connection, that feeling of... And I, I, I try, you know, I, I, I don't shy away from the things that are happening, but I try and be positive. I try yeah. and make people think, like, for two hours, let's just have a smile. Let's focus on the good things that are happening. Hallelujah. Let's, um, you know, and you have to. You can't ignore, and we always pay tribute to the, the sad things that are, that are happening and, and that we're dealing with. But fen- fundamentally, it's 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 a positive message. It's got to be. I'm going to come back to the, this last year because obviously your album that you've written. Oh my god, I've listened. Um, I, congratulations. Have you heard the whole album cry. yet? It made me cry. It made me cry. I've heard oh. three tracks. It made me cry. Uh, that's completely true. But also with um, uh, uh, Captain Sir Tom, uh, we'll talk yeah. about that. But I just want to go back, if we may, just again to something that you talk about very openly, and that's about uh, anxiety and confidence and uh, stage fright and all of those things. It's very interesting because hearing you talk about all these things, and there I am saying everyone fancied you at college, and there you were standing up in in a club. We'd all had a lot to drink. I was singing embarrassing songs at you. But... But people expect you, me, you know, lots of us to be incredibly confident. I talk very openly about that I can be crippled with shyness. You talk very openly about um, anxiety and not feeling as confident. And actually, I think it's really important that you talk about it because anybody who's a fan of yours, anybody who knows you would say, Michael Ball can do anything. He can sing. He can dance. He produces musicals. He can go on stage. He can be on live television. He can do all of that. But inside, there are moments of you where you have that self-doubt and anxiety. Mm. I I think everyone does. Uh, And to a greater or lesser extent. And I'm glad I talked. I didn't talk about it literally to anyone when 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 I was going through the problems. The problem started in Les Mis. which was my biggest mistake. I should have got help and uh, it wouldn't have been such a painful journey for me. Having said which, I, I, I managed to, to turn things around for myself. And it's, it's, it makes you very, very aware of how vulnerable we are and can be at any time. And to look out for the the, the warning signs that that things are, uh, are spiraling downwards, and to try and, and and stop that. And I do know that uh, when I did start being very open about this, and and we people weren't talking about mental health when I when I first started uh, mentioning this, um, it did start a uh, a conversation with 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 fans and people who who who'd read these interviews and heard me talking, where they said, yeah. That's exactly how we feel, that, that we've had this. And you realise so many people have suffered bouts of panic attacks and anxiety and confidence issues throughout their lives. And I think that's just part of us. 
that's part of the human psyche. And people suffer to a greater or lesser extent. The most important thing is that we understand it, we empathise and we get help. And help usually is just talking and understanding the triggers for it, understanding, finding little techniques to deal with it. Um, quite often, and for me, a lot of the time, uh, things would happen because I was simply exhausted. I was run down. And I've always made it my uh, credo that when I'm, I'm on stage, when I'm doing an interview, when I'm presenting whatever, I give it 100% and I present a positive image. No one wants someone miserable, miserable. So, but that can take its toll when, when that ends and you come down and real life is around you and, and your mind can spiral. So it's, uh, it's looking after yourself as much as you can physically, which I never used to do. Uh, and, and finding those warning signs and, and, and the triggers. Have you ever had a panic attack? Gabs? Only when I was at Guildford. I, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I had it once on stage at Guildford, and it was the most horrible feeling ever because my I forgot my lines, and uh, and then so, you know somebody from the prompt corner shouted it out, and I thought, oh no! But um, but I'm very shy. I'm desperately shy at, at moments, and we talk about it quite a lot on this podcast. But I think that interestingly, the reason I asked you about it before we talked about the COVID year. Um, yeah. was because there are a lot of people who now even more will talk about anxiety, yeah. shyness, uh, fear, worry, because of being in, I I'm, I sort of, I don't want to keep using the word lockdown, okay? I feel that it's such a, ne- it is, it was a negative time, but it well, yeah. it's sort of, it just, we were sort of prisoners. But I think a lot of people now are feeling as you have done in the past. And so your album's about, I know, it's, talking about all of that and and how you felt and how many people felt and looking to the future but how you cope with anxiety would be a great um a, a great help for people who've now maybe just had it for the first time who are now scared to to leave their front door who are now scared to go back to work who are scared to to do the things that they were doing 16 months ago well, the first thing I would suggest is they is they they look for some kind of professional advice. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, my God, I've got to go and talk to my doctor and find a counsellor and I've got to. Do. There are plenty of, of of things like podcasts, things like uh, that, that, that you can read little tricks. First of all, understand this isn't a way of life. This can change. This is just this is a blip. This is happening now, but it can be dealt with and dealt with successfully. And, quite, and sometimes really easily. Um, it's a mindset. It's 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 trusting that you can trick your mind if, in a way. What these things, I think that, that they grow and grow. You you have the negative thought. You think, what if I forget my lines? And then that takes you out of the moment. So then you start thinking, I have forgotten my line. I can't remember my next line. You don't trust yourself that something will come out something will happen. And if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Um, it's embarrassing and it's, or, or it can be funny. You know, it's your, it's your, it's how you choose to interpret what's happening that will have the, 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 the role on effect. So um, it's a way of just, dis- I, I can only talk about me personally. I, I concentrate on breathing and if you regulate yourself physically, 
by breathing, by consciously dropping shoulders, by, by, by physically changing your position, that will have uh, an effect on your brain and, and what your brain is thinking. Um, and then the little triggers that are going in your head, you have to stop them. So, so there are little techniques, there are tapping techniques that you can use that are very discreet, that will just distract your mind. And then the most important, the most important lesson that we can all learn is this too shall pass. You know, you're not dying. The, 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 the panic attack is a, a physical manifestation of, of uh, the adrenaline and so on rushing through your body, the fight and flight, but it doesn't go on forever. You're not dying. It is going to stop. So you just have to ride it. The other, I mean, for me personally, what I found on stage when I have, and I still get them, you, you have this rush of anxiety. I try and in my mind, turn it into a wave that I ride. And I think, okay, I've, I know I have this physical surge of adrenaline or uh, I, I presume it's a adrenaline rushing through my body. I'm going to ride it as opposed to drown in it. And I use it then to inform what I'm doing and and trust that I'll get there. That's you know, great. That, that, that I can get I can get through this song and it'll actually make me perform better. And it usually does. That's fantastic advice. Yeah. That really is. For anybody, whatever you whatever it is, if that if that fear is there, instead of instead ride of battling it, you just ride it. It's very interesting because, you know, I, I mean I I actually love getting nervous for, for live television. And uh Terry Wogan, who you just spoke about, the late, great Terry Wogan, yeah. um, who we both knew very well, he always used to say, it's not brain surgery, it's only no. television. You know, and, and it's the same with you saying about remembering the words of a song. If you were to say the wrong words of the song, people would think, did he do? No, he didn't. You know, it's, yeah. and w what difference is it going to make to their, do you know what I mean? It's such a, exactly. a thing. To you, it's, it's such huge. A huge it's huge for us, but for other people, we were in that night when it went wrong. Oh, it made it so special. Yes. <laughs> and you, I mean, there are times when you really... <laughs> I, did a, I did a Wednesday matinee of Aspects, and the opening of Aspects... I've told this story before. Stop me if you've heard it. But the opening of Aspects is Love Changes Everything. You just have a chord of music. I come on um, with one of my co-stars staring up at me, just her back to the audience, me centre stage, a chord, and I start singing Love Changes Everything. And, you know, nine months into a run, it's a wet Wednesday. I've sung this song a thousand times. Um, and I'm not nervous in the slightest. And I come out and the chord of music happens and I sing love. Love changes everything, hands and faces, earth and sky. And then I completely lost the words. <laughs> and I just kept repeating, love changes everything, hands and faces, earth and sky. Love changes everything, <laughs> hands and faces, earth. And so, of course, my co-star, sitting with her back to the audience, is just killing herself laughing. She thinks <laughs> it's the funniest thing she's ever heard. I'm going, I have no clue what the words of this song is. And thank the good Lord, there was a lovely little old lady surrounded by a matinee shopping bags, mouthing the words to me. No! Because she knew it was a Yeah, and that's how I got it back. Oh, I love that. Oh, I, I'm notorious. I am I am notorious. Everyone will tell you I will make up and I never I never don't sing. Something will come out of my mouth. 
but uh, it's usually... You're utter- naughty. Oh, in You're Phantom, naughty. I'm, I am naughty. But no, I'm not. You are. Yes, yes you I are. Am. You love a giggle. Yeah. You like to make other people I laugh. I know you do. <laughs> But I only, I never do it so an audience can't see. An audience mustn't ever know. But when you come out and you, you're in, oh, we were in Phantom, the scene in the mausoleum where he's firing the fireballs at us. It's just me, Christine and the, fa- Raul, Christine and the Phantom. Tense scene. And I'm meant to sing, Angel of Darkness, cease this torment. And I went, Angel of Schnardash, dum dum toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and. Now, you try singing something after that. The others couldn't sing a word. Oh, Not that's fantastic. Word. See, actually, no, it's perfect time. We, we are going to come onto the album next, but perfect time because the thing that I ask in this podcast to everybody is what makes you properly belly laugh? Now, you are, once you start giggling, I've seen you completely lose it. So what makes you really, really laugh and lose it? On, on stage? Anywhere. Or anywhere. You, Michael Ball, you. What makes okay. you laugh? Oh, this is so low and so base, and I re- and people are going to be going. Oh, that's disgusting. Farts, <laughs> farts are the funniest thing <laughs> on God's green earth. <laughs> you mean real ones or just the noise? Real, no proper, proper, proper ones with the noise and everything that accompanies, and people's reaction to them, and the inappropriateness, inappropriateness of them, and the the base humanity of them. So you can be the most pompous. Burke on earth. If you do one of those, you're one of us. <laughs> do you know, I can't believe it. If they happen on stage, I- I'm gone. I'm absolutely gone. And they do. Have you, <laughs> let, have have. you let Rip on stage? Oh, two appalling ones that, oh my God, I can't, I can't tell this story. Yes, I you mean, can. Yes, oh, you can. Yes, is, you can. Yes, you can. This is a public story. Okay. I'm apologising now to everyone listening. Please don't think so ill at me. We've all done um, Aspects of love. There's a really tender scene towards the end where Jenny, who's in love with my character, Alex, uh, she's my niece, is, is lying in bed and she pulled back the bedclothes and she sings, um, Alex, let me hold you. I've got so much on my mind. And in silence, pulls back the bedsheets and I have to turn round think about it, walk to her slowly and make the decision to get into bed. And because I do that, uh, the, the uncle comes on, hears us, Uncle George comes on, hears us, has a heart attack, dies. It's the pivotal moment of the piece. And she did this, this lovely young girl uh, playing the, uh, Diana Morrison. And Alex, let me hold you. I've got so much on my mind. Pull back the sheets. And as I turn, dead silence in the theatre, I let out the loudest, <laughs> flabbiest woof you've ever, ever in your life heard. To the extent where where the front rows of the audience are going, oh my God. <laughs> and this poor girl is looking at me and she, Oh no. And she and then I have to walk to her and get into the bed. And then the, she has to, she couldn't sing it. It turned into a ballet. I'm just heaving with love. Uncle George had heard it in the wings, comes on, has a heart attack, dies. His dead body is shaking with laughter. <laughs> it was, it, oh, and it, no. it's that, it's that, it's, it's those things that you think, they're so inappropriate. They're so wrong. There's nothing, you, everyone understands you can't help it. There's nothing can be done. 
But it just, it, it talk about destroying the fourth wall. Oh, that is not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. So do you have a fart machine at home? Do you remember those old plastic fart machines? No, no, but I, I there has been, who was it who had it on stage? Oh, uh, uh, Brian Blessed in Chitty. He would hide one um, on uh, on stage and and let it go for uh, people, which of course killed me. Absolutely <laughs> destroyed me. Do you have whoopee cushions around the house? That's how I imagine your no, house now. You're no, no, they have to be real. No, they have to be real. She must love you very dearly to be with you for almost thirty years. (laughs) Thirty years of putting up with your farts. But no, it's not like I do it all the time. But you know, there's just something about nerves. Just on stage. Oh, don't judge me. I really, of course, I am. Impression of me. Everyone's got the wrong opinion of me. No, they haven't. It was. but they know know you well. They are the funniest things. They're no, really I didn't know funny. you were going to go there, but thank you for that. Um, now, <laughs> okay. now we're going to go back to your album. Suddenly, <laughs> it's oh, such class! <laughs> I know they're thinking that really classy Michael Ball. Oh, so no, now, what have I done? Oh no, I love that. I love it, and I love it for <laughs> it. Um, so you have actually written this album in lockdown to commemorate yeah. lockdown. I mean, we, could, you and Captain Tom, that was something. Yeah. So beautiful. And his what a man, what a man. What he did for yeah. this country was amazing. And you two having that single. But this is the album. It's uh, We Are More Than One. Now, I listened to the single. That, it's so funny. You've put it everywhere. Yeah. And I know Radio 2 are playing, which is fantastic. But it made me cry. Oh. I mean, properly. No, but it properly made me cry because the words are really, they're you, aren't they? That's how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, the whole album is me, and and it it was a springboard from 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 what happened. You know, we were all going through our own problems and journeys. Uh, I'd got sick very quick, very early in in uh, March with the virus, so I'd had to leave the show, uh, the radio show. Of course, hairspray. We'd done two days of rehearsals that got cancelled. Uh, I then felt really ill. Kath got ill. Uh, I went back to do my radio show and the first, I'm talking to to my producer there, I said, we need to find some positive things, some positive stories. And I'd seen this this uh, news report on, on Captain Tom. I said, I think he'd be lovely to have on the show. You know, it's a, it's a wonderful story. This is a lovely man. Uh, can we see if we can get him on? And we got him on on the Sunday. And he'd, he'd done incredibly well. You know, he'd had, I think, over £100,000 at that time. And I did the interview with him and with Hannah and asked the listener to get behind this. And over £200,000 came in just in that hour. And the next day he was on um, uh, breakfast television the, on the Monday. And and then it erupted. We know what happened with that. And so because I'd sort of formed a bond with him and I'd been there right at the beginning, they said, come back. Uh, the, the, the BBC phoned and said, he's going to do his 100th lap. Why don't you come on and be uh, and, and surprise him with a song? Because we know you you get on. So I did that. I was up and I, I, I sang. I thought, well, what song is going to be appropriate? I thought, never walk alone. That'll be lovely. Did a couple of lines of it. And I saw him singing along, oh. and as a, and I genuinely, as a, as as a kind of a quip, as you do, I said, "Oh, Tom, we should do this as a duet." And as we we finished uh, talking, and I came off air, I went, "Do you know what? 
what on earth is stopping us? He could be number one for his 100th birthday if we can make this happen. This is on the Thursday. And in order for it to be eligible to be number one for his 100th birthday, I had it, had to, it had to be out by Friday morning. That was the only way it would it would be eligible. So I just worked, phoned the family and said, can you get Tom to, to first of all, just talk a bit of uh, 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 You Never Walk Alone into his phone? Um, and he did, but then he couldn't stop singing it. So I had this, this which I've still got pride of place in my in my uh, computer uh, of just him a cappella singing you'll never walk alone and and speaking the words like poetry and then i i galvanized everyone around me and uh we finished at three o'clock in the morning and was able to send it across so it was available for download and zoe was able to play it on the breakfast show on the friday we got into number one it was it was do you know it's one of those things that you it, it's it's synergy it was meant to be and um and it made me realize I wanted to do something I, I needed to do something um that I couldn't just sit and and I did a lot of it but just sit and eat a lot of food and watch box sets um and I then understood the technology that that, that, that was available for us that there was a way that that I could be creative. Mm-hmm. And also in the last show before lockdown, I'd had Amy Wodge on my show, who is one of the greatest singer-songwriters in this country. Um, she wrote uh, Thinking Out Loud with Ed Sheeran. She's Grammy-winning. She writes for everybody. And we clicked. You know when you meet someone and you just go, you're my best friend now for life. Wonderful, and yeah. She properly is. And she said, oh, if ever you, th- you think of writing, please get in touch. I promise, you know, we'll, we, we, we can do something. And, you know, you say things like that in this business and you never do. And I sat down. I went, do you know what? I'm bloody well going to do it. And I called her and she went, thank you. Great. Let's do this. Here's what you need to get delivered. A little focus right amplifier. A mic this my basic nice but not expensive microphone uh a, a program will help you to set it up her and uh, alex her protege they uh remotely set up this li- this little recording facility that i'm sat at now and we went on a zoom chat for three she, she said something nothing may come of it but let's have a go three hours have a think about what you want to write and I, I didn't want to turn up with nothing. So the very last track on the album, you probably won't have heard it yet. It's called uh, The Song We'll Remember. I wrote an entire lyric and turned up and, and uh, read it to her. And she went, OK, that's not normally how songwriting goes, but this is great. So straight away we had a song. We, we worked on a melody. And so I had a pretty good demo right at the end of the first session, which gave me encouragement gave me confidence and then we would just get on the computer uh and and sit and write she said i want you to meet someone she'd then phone her friend liz rose one of the greatest uh writers in nashville um wrote for taylor swift and um carrie underwood and the three of us were on there and we would just spitball ideas and run with run with things and nine times out of ten these things connected they worked and we started I started coming up with all these these words and these lyrics and ideas for the structure of a song and 
for that summer, it was the most, just me and, and you know how hot it was and I've no air conditioning. <laughs> stuck in this little sweat box writing this album. And uh, the best, and the lovely thing, Gab, to be able to do it, to then come off, make a little demo, to then sit and think, right, how do I want harmonies to go? And and just be able to play around myself with things, be able to take down stairs to Kath, because it's just the two of us in the house, and go, what do you think of this? Love it. Go away and work, get other people involved. Um, and then gradually, as the demos got into shape, be brave enough to play them to to, to friends and, and management and record companies, and they're going, yeah, this is working. Write an album. And so I did. I mean, I've dabbled in songwriting. You know, I've done a few bits here and there. I had four tracks on the last album. So, and, and thank goodness I had. So I kind of had got an idea, but that was done very... Um, uh, ad hoc and, and 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 on the fly. It wasn't a concentrated. You're going to sit down and write a song in three hours. Uh, so to have that concentration, that focus, and so much inspiration around, you know, all the thoughts that all of us were thinking. How I haven't seen my dad for a year. Um, he's eighty-seven. I haven't seen my mum. She's eighty-seven. Time is precious the good things that, that were happening, the realisation that we need people, the, the, the less we're seeing of people, the more we need them, that that the, the woman I'm with, I love, and I want to tell her I love her. Uh, the, um, the, I mean, spurious things. There's, there's a, uh, the second track on the, on the album called God Willing and a Fair Wind. Well, that is one of my phrases. You know, I'll see you next week, God Willing and a Fair Wind. And... I said this and Liz, Liz Rose went, that's a brilliant expression. I've never heard it before. And it's what my gran used to say all the time. So you take that idea and you think, what am I trying to say with that? And it's, yeah, there's positivity. Do you know what's so lovely, though, Michael, is, is that when I, it, you know, I've sent um, the track listings and it says sung by Michael Ball, written by Michael Ball and then produced by Michael. And I was reading it through and I thought, Oh, you must feel so... Well, I hope you do feel so proud. Genuinely. Yeah, and I really... I promise you, yeah, of anything I've ever done. I love... I've made, you know, 23 albums or something, solo albums. But the new, the normally covers um, uh, or songs that, that have been written for me. To have, have... This came from left field. I wasn't planning on this at all. And... To have, have, first of all, found the motivation to do it when I wasn't motivated. Um, you know, it would have been very easy to have done nothing. Um, but then having seen Tom do what he did, and I thought, no, we have to do something. We can't, we can't just vegetate. It's fine if you don't want to. That's not a judgment. But I know if I didn't do something, it wouldn't end well for me. Um, so to do that and to literally go from, the seed of an idea sitting down and 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 as as my song says we are not alone it's uh, it's other people's input as well you know nick patrick the producer of the album great mate being involved with him we managed 4 days in september when i um distance was able to get uh five musicians into a studio and just just say because i don't play an instrument and say this is what i'm hearing this is what i want to put down some basic tracks uh, and and 
because they hadn't played for so long or done anything, their artistic uh, creativity was off the scale. So they're bringing stuff and they were just so excited to be part of it. And they're mates of mine. So they were, they were pouring their heart and soul into it. So it, it, it was the most organic. It sounds so cheesy. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It's the most organic and proper, proper creative process with, literally no influence from anyone else um, other than those people I, I brought on board. And to now be here and and it's there and it's it's ready to be released. Well, and, it is. By the time people know, hear this, it's out. It is out, out and it will be oh. it's going to go to number one. <laughs> it, look, and congratulations on being number one. Um, <laughs> the best way to end this is you have to end with another song. So can we just have a little bit of one of your new one, please? Um, which one do you want? I, do you know what? Where is, where's the lyric to... Can you hear? I'm right now bringing out all my lyrics. I love that. I That's proper. That's real. Oh, I don't know which one to do, though, Do Gabs. whichever one you want. Do Sing whichever one. Just a little bit of whichever one you want to sing. If I never see another sunrise If I never hear another song If I never reach the dream I'm dreaming You'll be the one to keep me strong When I'm lost and I'm going nowhere And the road looks cold and long You'll be the one to You'll be the place that I will always run to Oh darling, you're the one Be the one, be the one I'll always run to Be the one, be the one I'll always turn to Be the one, be the one You'll be the one oh, That was off the top of my head. Oh, my <laughs> That wasn't the words. <laughs> <laughs> I made a few changes. This is the trouble. I never remember lyrics properly. I love that. I'm always changing them. Do you know what? I love oh. that. I love you and you are a joy. And long you may too. you reign, my darling. And carry on doing oh. what you do just because you do it wonderfully and you do bring joy and you make people smile. I, I heard, I mean, I've obviously... I mean, I've known you for for a long time, uh, but I was <laughs> doing all my research and I was watching stuff back on YouTube. And you just people love you and continue just doing what you do. Please. Oh, stop it! No, you no, you love what you do, and with I also wind you. a lot of people up as well, and that's fine yeah, too. Yeah, you're allowed. <laughs> You're allowed. And keep farting, but not in my, nowhere near me. Um, thank you, Mr. Michael Ball, OBE. Yay! Oh, thank you, Gabs. I love that. That Gabby Rosen podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thank you so much for your reviews. I promise that the team and I have read them all and we really are rather overwhelmed and they really mean the world to us. So thank you so much. If you kindly leave a review or a comment, that would be lovely. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.